Brad O'Dell here, and welcome to the Maritime Paintball Podcast. Have you ever been in a game of paintball and wanted just a little bit more game? Or keep forgetting what you're supposed to do in a big scenario game? My guests today are some of the minds behind Ronin Kinetic Esports, and they are working on some apps that are going to bring a whole new level to the game. As always, let me know what you think, and without more stalling, let's get into this. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 276 of the Maritime Paintball Podcast. My name is Brad O'Dell, and today we're going to talk about uh, something that is um, incredibly in-depth with a lot of potential. So it's hopefully you guys can follow along. We're going to make it as simple and easy to follow because I still don't entirely follow all of it. So hopefully everyone else can. So without further stalling, allow me to introduce Lawrence Wright of Ronin Kinetic Esports. So what's going on, man? How you doing? Good. Nursing a headache, and but drinking coffee before bed. So everything's going to be fine. <laughs> so <laughs> For it's going to sure. be great. Uh, so you are uh, one of the minds behind uh, uh, Ronin Kinetic Sport, e- Esports. I want to keep just, I'm just going to call it Ronin because that's way too much for me to keep spelling out. Understood. Uh, RKE, Ronin, either way. It, it RKE. Yeah, we're, we're going to stick with RKE. I like that. We're going to do that because okay. that one I can't stumble over. Uh, so real quick, man, let's get uh, let's get some of your background. Uh, it is a paintball show, so that you've gone green again. What the hell's going on? I, gotta I don't figure, know. i got to figure out what's going on with this greenness. Um, weird. Anyways, while I fiddle with this, why don't you uh, just tell a little bit about yourself, the background in the paintball world, and... Hopefully this thing settles itself down. <laughs> I don't know. Sure. Um, real quick, my name is Lawrence Wright. Uh, I go by the call sign TB. Um, I've been playing paintball roughly 20 years. I'm pretty well known as a commander. Not Haven't played a lot in the last eight years or so. We'll probably get into that. Uh, part of that has to do with working with Alan Martin on the Ronin software and the Ronin suite of softwares and just kind of where we're going from that and i'm still green yeah yeah but it's fine we're gonna i'm gonna get it fixed you keep chatting um so okay so that's that's who you are that's great um i think i threw a slide up i mean uh, or uh if you've got a video for that uh the video or not a video i'm sorry it's a it's that yeah the text isn't it's it's not going to show it didn't really show up well on the stream it's fine Uh, okay um, so, uh, <laughs> Neb, Neb, Nella, God, I hate that Neb, Neb. I hate how your name is spelled. I can't say it. Uh, it looks like it looks like good in that mutant green. Uh, Tim Banks, what's happening, buddy? I see you in the chat. Let's see if we can fix this though. I got to figure out what is going on with the, uh, what if I put you in the waiting room and then bring you back? Um, uh, <laughs> we're going to fiddle with stuff until we get it right. Um, it fixed it. No, it didn't. He went right back to green. I don't know what's going on. You know what? We're just going to leave him. We're going to leave him green. Well, let's see something here. Until it fixes itself. So. Hold on. We lost him. It's not It's not an episode of the podcast without technical difficulties. Right, folks? Mm. It just dawned on me that I'm drinking, like, super hyper-caffeinated coffee. Uh, and, uh, like, right at the end of the night, which is not the way to do things. So. That's not great for me. I don't know where he's gone, but until he comes back. So basically what the idea is that this guy is one of the minds behind the the RKE apps, which is uh, one includes Warlord and one is Ronin RTT. And the idea is that these apps are used uh, similar but very different to Strike Ring, which was another app developer that I had on the show earlier uh, this year. And the idea, I think, with Warlord is to be similar to Strike Ring, but a little bit more, um, what's the word I'm looking for? A little bit more video gamey? Um, <laughs> this is great. This is, this is awesome. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to handle this and it's, and everything's kind of collapsing around me. This is like the one time that I actually need a technical manager running everything on the back end for me. Um, and it's, it's not happening. So let's, 
Let's see if we can get Alan Martin in. He can explain it to Alan, one of the other gentlemen behind this, and uh, and hopefully he can help us out. So, basically, from what I can understand and digging into it is the fact that the Ronin stuff seems to be very much uh, MMO, like RPG style. AR, augmented reality RPG. So it would be like an MMO, AR, RPG, I guess. A uh, whole bunch of letters. We're missing a couple from the alphabet, but we're almost there. So let's see if we can get some folks in here to talk about this, and they can explain it a little better than I can, rather than me rambling into the microphone uh, at high speeds. Tim Banks blowing it. Dude, this is brutal, man. I have been hung out to dry by technology. This is literally a topic I don't know anything about. And I did my research, and I still don't know anything about it. So (laughs) I am floundering. Um, Sorry, Matthew Walton looks like OBS mixed with the yard, I'm guessing. Okay, we got Lawrence. We got Lawrence back. I don't know where he went, but he's back. We don't have video, but I think we have microphone. Hold on. There he is. There he is. Okay, let's see. Am I green? You're not green anymore. We're going to see if we can get Alan in here, too. Might as well. We're going to make, we're going to, it's going to be a party. It's going to be a party. (laughs) Let's hope this works. (laughs) Let's hope. Okay. I can see. Yeah. Yeah. I'm seeing yes. Okay, cool. So, folks, uh, while I fiddle with the video, why don't you guys uh, try to explain this a little better than I could? Because I just rambled, and <laughs> it it didn't didn't do any justice to <laughs> to what we're talking about. So, explain explain to me uh, what uh, Warlord is. Warlord is one of the apps. So let's get Warlord out of the way because it is it is the one that's often confused with Strike Ring. Right. Uh, so Strike Ring is actually like a lot of other apps. So there's been a lot on the market for a long time. There's Battle Map. There's Battle Tech. Uh, there's some Texas teams that runs what's called CivTac, which came from the U.S. government, who uses ATAC, which is the what's called the Android Tactical Awareness Kit. Um, so all these apps are all location sharing apps. There's a guy out of Russia that does Combat Vision, and it's k-o-m-b-a-t i think and he's got i think like 1500 users because they go wild in russia for the big scenarios well yeah Um, no safety no safety yeah like 60 mile an hour tanks blowing through the field this it it feels like that's where i want a party i want a scenario from the 90s that i grew up on right i want tanks strippers and pyrotechnics that's that was low country paintball in two early 2000s they Paint 21. Most of the money did not get spent on the field. It got spent in the tents off field, but story for another day. Um, So yeah, Warlord is uh, Strike Rings has a very tactical theme over it. Warlord is just for our ad hoc people. We've had people go to Super Game, all of the legends. Uh, It's basic location sharing, messaging. So if you've got 300 people logged in, you type in one message, click the button, everybody's smartwatch beeps, and everybody goes and does the thing. Um much larger scale since you were right. We are uh, MMO technology. So we're ready for 5,000 players, 10,000 players right out of the box. We can link every game in the North America going on at the same time. Now, is that, is that there, is there a main server on the back end of that? Or is this more like peer to peer cloud? Okay. Okay. So there is a back end. Okay. Yes. Okay. No, I'm just curious. Uh, just w- when you're saying 5,000 players, that's, that's impressive to have, uh, to be capable of doing 5,000 players, I'm assuming you'd need, you'd need warning. Like there needs no. some sort of buildup. No. So the server's already no. built to handle it. Yeah. It, it, everything scales automatically. It was built from the ground up to be able to handle everybody that plays paintball at once. Cause if you're not going to go big, you know, <laughs> why bother? Gotcha. But okay. we could, we could run into events. We are looking at getting back into the mount site. So if we go back into the mount sites, it'll be a two, two to 3,000 player game. And we have to be able to support every player that wants to connect at the same time, or we wouldn't get the level of features that we do. Okay. Right. So Warlord is really kind of designed for organizing your site. So making sure your side's organized, you can drop pins, you can set rally points, you can use voice over IP, um, you can use chat, you can scale if the producer will let you, where you can take pictures of the mission cards and get refs to sign your phone. 
Um, it depends on which modules are turned on in the build because we do use it as a test mule. So if I want to test how a capture mechanism is going to work in a game, I'll put it in a warlord. People go out and try it, and then we just disable that module and move on to the next thing. So it's very it's evolved while, very fast in right. the last two years. While other games are going on, so we have some of our early adopters who are basically at the last couple of games are playing a game within a game. So they're playing paintball, the paintball game, but then they're using the app to do other things, whether that's capture points or move things around or various things. Okay. That, and that, that was, that was something I wanted to ask about too. Cause I was, I was, cause we were chatting yesterday and you mentioned at Sherwood, excuse me, uh, that there was an event that had 230 people on it and there was something like 40 plus people using the app. So is that, are those people using the app, are they basically playing an MMO inside of a regular paintball, paintball game or were they using it more like uh, no, situational awareness? An MMO. That, that RTT is basically a physical MMO. Okay. It, okay. It, it, it's RTT, a world AR MMO. Right. It's okay. basically oh. two sides who have um, various things that they can do so it's almost kind of like risk they can build certain things they can score points they can create mos's they can spawn aircraft the the mos's are classic scenario that's your medic that's your rocket launcher guy so if we don't want somebody just to go out and spam nerf rockets and ruin a game we'll make that character expensive and make them have to buy their ammo through the app constantly so when you have that you have a game economy so now you have something for your engineers to do and traditionally engineers was something that was always maligned it was like go take take the tape off of this thing and now it's live again it was really boring so in this uh, hourly we have them play different mini games of different difficulties to harvest the resources for their side to build their stuff and that's that's just kind of one of the core fundamentals i think of all mmos really or all yeah. rts games anyway so just i'm trying to i'm trying to wrap my head around this because i'm not there's a lot you can't yeah. do it in 45 minutes yeah. <laughs> so, we have at least seven different formats coming out over the next two years okay that's cool uh, it's good to hear about the growth. I- I'm just wondering about the, so if there was, explain the Sherwood game to me. You got 230 some players on the field playing at Sherwood, and then mm-hmm. you've got say between 40 and 50 using the app. So in this instance, the easiest way to explain it's like a mission card. You've played a scenario game with a mission card. Yeah, yeah. Your so phone's your mission what, card. What I'm confused about is what are the other 200 players doing? They're Protect playing the paintball. <laughs> Protect. What do the other 200 players do when that one person has a mission card? Oh, okay. So the other people are aware of the app. It's just yes. that the, the app is so literally the, a the digital mission card. So the 40 people are, right, yes. and, and, and the, they're divided. So if you've got 10 people on one side who may have it, you'll have 30 people on the other side who have it. The thing is, is there still is only one person who can capture it. There's only two sides that can capture something. So you use it like a mission card. If you've got 10 people that are using the app, those are the people that are going to tell you how you score your points. They're going to be able to score your, talk to your, buy your stuff. All of that's done now. Actually, it's scaled. Right now, there's only one person who can do that, and that's the general. In this instance, working through the general, you can actually scale out and decentralize all of that to where every player is part of it and working it. Right now, that's about 10 players per side. If you look at it like this... Um, you're trying to make any kind of narrative game that you want in paintball. You have to deliver your content to players. If you want to make a basic paintball game, you're going to distill that down into here's some slapsticks, go press them. That's a really basic big game, Mm -hmm. really popular too. Uh, If you're going to have something that's more narrative driven, you're like Josh Nutt up there at PRZ. He makes very elaborate games. It's a lot of annual labor, a lot of paperwork. Uh, We do basically paperless games, and it's not just that it's your mission card and what to do, but it's also the referee. So you don't need to go find a referee to get things done on the field and score points anymore. And you don't have to pay somebody to stand there in front of your slapstick and just wait. Because the mission card talks to the server and tells the server that you've done it. The point I was making, instead of filtering your content to a general who then has to give it to field commanders, if he's organized enough to have them who then have to give that content to the players, it's a system that frequently breaks down. And you see the solution that Battletech has done, the same thing Strike Ring's done. You can manually type all that stuff in. It's a lot of work. You have to preload your whole game. Um, With the different formats that we've done, it's all just automatic. You don't have to really do anything. The game is set up. There's no director. I ran a kid's birthday party while that 250-player game played because mm-hmm. uh, you don't have to have a game director. 1,200 miles away. 
yeah, twelve hundred miles away, and there and there's no game director to cheat players anymore. It does it does a long way to democratize it. There's no politics that can get between you and getting your game content. There's no failure points. All this just disappears, and you get a very smooth gaming experience. Correct. Okay, your failure your failure point is not connecting to the app. That's where the failure point is. Yeah, because then you have to experience that through a player. And the, not everybody. And the thing is, not is everybody wants it. They just want to. They just want to run with the guy who's using the app. And that's right. perfectly fine too. But yep. instead of just having one point where all of your content has to be distributed, right. uh, and then referees to sit there and hand this stuff out to people, everybody just looks at their phone and it's handled. Correct. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. So you can have one person with a phone or a tablet or whatever they got on the field, and then you've got ten other players that are filtering information through that one player. That, right. You that could do a two, is... you could do a two thousand player game with two burners from Walmart. You just give one to each commander, and they would get their missions that way, and they could write them on paper if they wanted to. If you really wanted to do it the old school ways, um, which is kind of defeats the entire purpose. Yeah. Of the using more, technology. but the more the side, whichever side has a lot more phone users, are all going to access the same missions on the fly wherever they're at, and they're going to win. Gotcha. They're gonna so so when the event is is put together. So like this event at Sherwood, because is players are made a, made aware ahead of time. Like, hey, this is gonna have this app. You should yes. download this app. It no, if, it is it is part of the game. That, yeah, that's it's what not, I mean. It's yeah. not that the app is there. It is it is here. It's the game. The, the app is the, the app is that's how you I mean. play yeah. the game. Yeah, and if not you're only that, here, but... if you're here to shoot paintball, you can be there and shoot paintball. If you want to support the people running the app and you don't want to use the app you can do that if you want to run the game and use the app then you can do that gotcha you can be there and just shoot faces and that's all you have to do your insertion point is an open insertion you go in you tag your base you go do whatever you want if you're the next level up to where you want to experience some of the game but you don't want to deal with all the crap then you find somebody to tell you what to do and you ask them Hey, where do we go? What do well, we, we do? Right, What's we do. Going we on? do have. We have two separate events coming up this year that are at Sherwood, and then we're powering ones uh, in Florida. I think Georgia, Canada, uh, yeah, more all over. But the two that we do at Sherwood are two completely different game formats. And the very first one is a LARP, very LARP heavy game. It's more like a very old, old original night late '90s scenario game. Uh, okay. There's going to be probably over half the field in costumes. Uh, there's going to be a lot of people throwing like LARP knives and hacking each other with boarding axes and stuff because it's a really piratey game. Yeah, you, uh, we were talking about that. When I was talking to Lawrence about that. You, you mentioned the well, pirate right. game coming in, uh, coming up. And well, right, and this it's it is an it's a world MMO. It's a two day world MMO that you show up and play. And so when you go to upgrade your character, if you want to do more stuff within the game as you as your side scores points, you go to an NPC virtually on the field with your phone you walk to where they're at and they're actually inside the vendor's tent so you have to go to the vendors uh and then you go in there and you talk to the npc through your app and it'll upgrade your stuff and off you go go enjoy the more of the game that you wouldn't have got to experience otherwise and then the october game is pure competition Uh, that's the rtt format those are designed to be just heads up long duration hard grinding scenario games for people that really want to just throw down and compete and play 18 to 24 hours in a session. Um, it's intense. It, it the... is. <laughs> but, the, but the biggest thing about that, what I was trying to say is that you get to practice. So we put the people have the app months in advance, in this case, well over years in advance, and they put pins everywhere they go. They put them at other fields. They put them at stores. They put them at their houses and they just practice the whole game, everything they have to do on field well in advance before they go play. Sure. So and you can't do that anywhere else. There's a couple of comments coming in. Um, one from Zach Joseph uh, asking if phones are really that common on the field. Yes, they are. Okay. We didn't invent it. We didn't even force it. People were taking selfies on base drops in the starting as soon as the iPhone okay. debuted. So, so here, here's where yeah. that got here's where that got started. It's it's very simple. What happened is Pokemon Go. <laughs> Pokemon, yeah. No, I'm not joking with you. When we oh, what was the one we've, been, we've been working on this since 2010 when Alan and I started. So we've got about 11 years in this. Alan's probably looking at about 12,000 coding hours. A different versions over time. Six different versions. We started off with RFID and, and very basic stuff. Then we moved to Windows platform for little mini computers. And then we went through Wi-Fi and our, you so know, the whole goal of phone. what we're trying to get to is 
look-through technology. What we're compatible with, because we do everything in 3D, is smart glasses. We're compatible with Vuzix, HoloLens. HoloLens is what the U.S. military uses now for their training exercises, so they can generate a virtual enemy. Right. So as these fit in your goggles, and they do fit in your goggles now, but as they get to paintball use price points, when you go to a theme game, if you're in a World War II game, you should see bombers going by. Um, we're able to do a new LIDAR mapping on Sherwood that we're going to we're gonna map it at this upcoming game and debut it in October to where the LIDAR detects where you're at on the field and we can start drawing virtual characters that walk across the battlements and, oh, and then skin over the entire castle so it doesn't look like railroad ties. All of a sudden, it's a steel fortress, sci-fi fortress, or whatever we want it to be. Gotcha. The AR kicks in and it recognizes yes. where you are and builds the. That, that's our goal. Because and, when and the EVS what? came you out, you can still just show up and play paintball. Right. Yeah. And but, you don't need to use any of that if you don't want. That was the thing. When the EVS came out, there was nothing to use it with, so it, could, it didn't have Very anything true. to get traction, and, and it fell off the market. And then the company got sold and whatnot. Had it had a platform, then it was ready to connect to games. It would have been awesome. And you can use it with our stuff now if you flash it back to snowboard. Because when they made it for paintball, they took out app notifications, and we send app notifications like crazy. You can do any cheap, like fifty dollars smartwatch, and everything that happens in the entire game buzzes on your wrist, so you yeah. always know where to go and what to do. And the EVS and snowboard configuration supports that, but not in paintball for whatever reason. Yeah, it's weird. Uh, maybe they thought people didn't want to be pinged on the field, but. They do. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, now, do you guys have to plan ahead of time with the fields? Because, like, here in Canada, a lot of paintball fields have next to no cell service, uh, let alone power, <laughs> especially out east here. Uh, so is that something you guys have to plan ahead of time? Like, if somebody, if an event organizer is like, hey, I really like this idea, I'd like to use it, uh, do you basically have to just be like, yo, heads up, like, what's your cell coverage like? Yeah, it is a known signal. We, we, you have to walk the field with an app. You run the Warlord, and we'll just look at your TPS track and see what the signal strength was. A lot of it is going oh, to be okay. based on your on your tower signal. You right, truly yeah. only have to have 3G. As long as you can get 3G, you can do the bare minimum. Like one or two bars. And, you don't, and play the game. We use yeah. so little bandwidth. What really uses bandwidth on all of the apps, no matter whose it is, is the mapping tiles themselves. So as you zoom in and out, it replaces and updates those tiles at different resolutions constantly. Right. That uses... Uh, my math today was uh, like uh, a 1,300 times more data than the actual telemetry you're sending and getting from people. Yeah, just basic data yeah. points. Yeah, just those images. Those images are intense, and that's by far and away, no matter what you use, the mapping data is what is the killer. Right. But that's it's such a small amount relative that it doesn't matter. And, and certainly because like one of the pictures that I sent you, um, it's we can actually overlay the game map over the satellite map. Yeah, that's an interesting thing coming up because of the mapping system that we chose to use. Eli yeah. Booth with um, Big Bang Paintball is doing all of his entire field in 3D. So his 3D field with what he's done will just populate into our app automatically. Oh, okay. So as you're so, going around, you'll have everything in the field is drawn, redrawn to scale. It's pretty wild. Oh, so he, is he doing the, the whole, like you send a drone overhead and you do the 3D photography kind of thing? No, like, he redraws it in SketchUp. Hardcore oh, Jesus. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> that sounds harder. It does. Um, <laughs> that's, that's a labor of love at that point. Um, it is. His games the, are wild. If you ever I, go to Arizona, New Mexico, that's the man to see. Uh, hopefully I can get back there if the borders are open back up. Um, and I can afford it again. Last time I traveled to the United States, the conversion rate kicked me in the balls. Um, <laughs> the, I was looking through. Now, Lawrence, you sent me when you sent me that the, the, all the photos and stuff. Um, there was a, a comparison sheet in there, which I was going to bring oh, up, but it doesn't. That is de it is deprecated because a lot of these guys have changed features and changed services. And then there was a collapse of GI, which changed food services and pricing all yeah. over. So we're going to redo that from scratch. I'm going to do what's called a radar chart. Where, you know, it looks like a Pentagon. And we're just going to rate people on accessibility, pricing, time duration, stuff like that, and try and do pretty transparently on it. Uh, yeah, no, that sounds like a great idea. The the Pentagon thing sounds uh, a little bit easier on the eyes. It is. But it's a radar was, chart. This is hard to read. <laughs> there was um, there was a couple of points on it that I just wanted clarification on. Actually, was the on um, part of it, it said five players per acre was what your limit was. Is that just is that just to keep the game from turning into an absolute mess, or is that just a uh... quality? That's quality assurance because three. Yeah, we, we, we we cap we, our games at three hundred players. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. That's for our that, tech demos. People producing with it aren't limited to that cap. But right. we personally, if we do a tech demo, 300 people on Sherwood's 80 acres is the best gameplay that we can give you. 
Okay, cool. Yeah, we there was a I did a MegFed only game that was actually worked out to one person per acre. Um, That's a little thin. Yeah, it was it was like sixty people, super hardcore MegFed only, uh, and it was like. Anyway, it was intense. Some of the most intense parts of the game were when you were not getting shot at, and you're like, something's wrong. Like, you know, that well, kind of the, game. The, the problem <laughs> with the, these app-based games is that when you do have a low population, as soon as you do something, it shows up on the combat log. So everybody and their grandma is running straight to you. Yeah, everyone just converges on you. <laughs> uh, okay, that's wild. Um, the the quality assurance totally makes sense. And now the, the Ronin, I want to talk about the Ronin app, just because I just want to... We've talked about the the MMO stuff. Um, the Ronin app is something that I've seen mentioned a couple of times that basically anybody can use, or not Ronin, Warlord. Sorry, mm-hmm. Warlord is the app that like basically anybody can use, and it is a I don't know the technical term for it, but basically the idea is that you look at the map, you can make pinpoints, and you can talk team, to your buddies. Team location sharing. We just call it a team assistant. Sharing. Yeah, team location We've, stuff, um... and it's I've seen it posted a couple times that it said it was basically it was free for anybody to use um so but how to so my question is for anyone who wants to try it if you download well, it right now it's not launched right now it's yeah. it's in beta oh okay but that's when, my question when it have, when, right, when we're still the in our own app launches we're still in it our, will be free to use yes we're, we're in early that's access enough. right now so if you have an early access account if you've ever played any of the events ever or you're on one of the teams that we sponsor like um delta mutants 313 uh offense capital offense deplorables uh, deplorables yeah they all get free logins and then they get a bunch of beta keys and they just and like uh matt guru from mutant 313 he goes to games and he just makes it rain beta keys on people nice okay that explained that the whole beta thing just totally makes sense yeah Uh, we officially moved out of beta into early access uh uh, sometime i don't know nine months ago i don't remember okay that clears (laughs) up everything for me that totally makes sense um and yeah so that's really cool tell me about this pirate game because that because you guys aren't just basically you're not just an app developer you're it's more like you're you're more like an event promoter or an event organizer with an app to go with your events no Uh, so what we do is we are an engine company so we are we are intent on building tools for producers and field owners to use that is what the company is for the reason we produce is because we're not going to release anything that we haven't personally tested with uh Uh, skilled players that we trust on top of that that is how we introduce the concepts because much like yourself that you're finding a lot of people overthink this and they get wrapped around the technology yes then they get wrapped around the fact that they don't want to use the technology but they don't want other people to use the technology that they're playing against because they feel some kind of way. And what we have found is that when you tell people, you, if you want to know the score, log into the app. We have real-time scores. It will tell you what the score is. Right. The adage of, oh, my God, people won't play if they know what the score is. It wasn't that true is at bullshit. all. It has been bullshit. Uh, the adage that people don't read the rules depends if this is the kind of player who will open the app and log in guess what that player reads the rules like it's their religion yeah, they are on jihad almost 95 percent <laughs> rules adoption because you the rules are on your phone you carry the rules with you it, it, that's also a big deal in our scoreboards too we have a board of shame so when people catch a penalty uh normally you get a judge punch and they would get taken out of the raffle if they get a couple of them or something like that we take points from their side like it's a tournament mm-hmm and uh, we put their name of the of who did it on the board, and then peer pressure shuts down cheaters instantly. So we have a really, really good culture that can run with a really low number of referees. Like the, if cool. the four of the us three the right 200. now wanted to play a three way scenario game against each other, we don't need referees. Correct. We just the don't. We're all gonna call our hits. The two hundred and thirty five player game ran with four referees. Wow, that's that's a wild ratio for nineteen and a need. half hours it, of play. They just. They go to wherever the fights are at because they know. And call paintball. That's that. And they, yeah, they're there for safety. They're not there to and handle game mechanics and And people don't want to catch penalties because penalties are anywhere between 50 to 500 points. It'll cost your whole side an hour if you screw up. We're wow. really harsh on hot-headed, hot-headed yeah. people. We just don't put up with it. Well, because we're we, it's a competitive environment, that is why it is frowned upon. There's, there's competition, and then there's unhealthy competition. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. So you can be competitive, you can be hard nosed, you can be, you know, to the grind, but you can also you can even cuss. I'm not saying people gotta not cuss or anything like that. It's you don't have to be 
disrespectful. Right. That's just really what it all gets down to. Yeah. yeah. There's so trash because of that, refs have now been returned to doing what refs are really there for safety and player experience with each other, not the scenario. Like one of the interesting things is as we get more and more game data, we're running really high level AI. We're running Azure cloud, uh, AWS stack. We played with IBM Watson a little bit. So we don't want to have humans having to oversee the games as uh, we want to help them as much as possible. So when we see a person that doesn't walk all the way back to their base in the data, uh, you can dispatch a referee to see if they like lost equipment or if they're a shady individual that needs to be monitored. Right. And you can pick up all these patterns over time and it, it pays off in the long run when you collect enough data during the games. And right. that's also, we use those data to rank our players. Like we released our top 20 recently from the last year, uh, last four events of play. I think I saw um, that that post. Yeah, there was a, yeah, the, a list of names. Yeah, and... the par- there was a lot. The players commented a lot more on it in our early access group because they're all in there. Uh, like some people were shocked they made it on the board at, at all, <laughs> and uh, some people are hyper competitive and want to be up higher on there. So because they do stuff in the game that doesn't really get tracked, like Paco massacres everything he sees with a rocket launcher. <laughs> but, and we're not at a point where we can we can track that yet electronically. Yeah, but it, we'll it be is there coming. soon. Very soon. Um, the points. Your field contact. Uh, the um, on the post, I saw the points and I saw all the names, and it was really cool to see a leaderboard like that. Somebody in the comments there had mentioned that they were just like, "Okay, cool. I just got to get like four more kills," and they they go up uh, in numbers. Are the no. are the, the kills no aren't kills tracked? tracked. No. Okay. We don't do kills. We do captures. Uh, well, That's what we I do certain kinds of kills. So, like at the pirate game coming up, we have boat simulations, and the guys in the boats are wearing a big plastic frame with a rope, like Saw a scenario that. helicopter. Yeah. And they have the they're going to have a giant boat on their shoulder, and they have to point blank it out with made of dynes and any other like rubber band launchers or whatever they come up with. Uh, but it's mostly made of dynes, and they're hand loading, and the the ammo is undersized, yeah. uh, super lightweight foam, and horrible, so it doesn't go anywhere. It goes <laughs> about fifteen feet and straight up. So they get into these insane <laughs> five-on-five rolling broadside point-blank cannon battles. Boom, 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 boom. And whichever ship survives uh, gets to loot the other one digitally. So they turn, they have to stand there. They go to their back, and they point the phone at it, and a hologram appears in the augmented reality. Mm-hmm. And you click the hologram, and it takes all the money that was on their ship, puts it on yours. Now you have to run back, back to base and bank that gold for your side before another ship shows up and steals it from you. All right, and that is the video I sent you as well. Yeah, that, which, that's what you uh, saw them doing. I saw that, and I think I, you know what, I think I forgot to share that video. I'm going to share it after the show because yeah, it the because uh, when I first seen the video, and I was just like, the hell is he wearing? I thought it was like a weird camera rig at first, <laughs> and then it made sense afterwards. I was like, oh, well, his okay. his boat had fallen off. If you look at yeah. the other boat, it, it, there's a boat on his shoulder. Narf's boat had fallen off, and because of that, we weren't penalizing him, so he still had to wear the frame. Because the frame is the boat. I mean, and right, this yeah. year, this year the boats are bigger. Everybody's had to hand paint and hand rig them. Oh, yeah. um, the, they're pretty. Impre- he's got uh, your your uh, green screen's killing it. But the, yeah, we, all the yeah. all the props that we use are all three D printed off of his stack, and they're generally hand painted by him. So, and then we throw the hologram uh, enhancements on top of that. So, if you have a prop in a scenario game that you want to be worth like money to a side. Just like World of Warcraft, it becomes like either a consumable one-use item or like a timed cooldown. And all the kind of like nerd video game features that you would want to see in Scenario, you get, which is pretty uh, neat. That's cool, man. Uh, question jumping in here. How does the AR app affect the cost of the game for the player? I know the app it is doesn't. free. Our, but... We have the cheapest games on the market. Right okay. now. So right now it doesn't. Right now there's not a different cost. You're paying the same amount. Right. However, right as the technology increases, of course, that's it is going to increase in cost. What I mean by that is, is this the entire goal of building something like this is to build a community that tracks all these leaderboards throughout multiple kinetic tag events. So airsoft, laser tag, nerf, whatever. Then that's also provides an opportunity, which I've already talked with several uh, licensees of licensed artwork being brought into the AR. So now you're using, if you're using a, you're playing paintball and it's games workshop, Warhammer 40K, when you're looking on the field, the theme is Warhammer 40K and it's their intellectual property that you're interacting with on the, on the field. Okay. That's, that's going to cost more money, of course. Right. Absolutely. So it provides an, a way for a field owner to expound on whether they're using Airsoft, laser tag, nerf, 
low-impact jail ball, whatever, they can have games that they run without a producer, so to speak. If the field owners are that high-tech or they hire someone to do them for them, that person can, using our stack, can create their games. So what we charge is on the back end. We make we charge based on volume, not limited. In other words, the more people that play, the more money we make. The less people that play, the less money we make. Okay. Does, so the, does that make sense? Yeah, the cost isn't going to the player. So if I if I go to the go to a game and I decide I'm gonna run the app and I'm gonna run the mm-hmm. app on my phone. Mm-hmm. Um and There's some massive feedback coming from your headphones. That's better. I don't know what he did, but uh, there. <laughs> uh, okay, so if I go to a game and I run the app, uh, and my buddy comes with me and he doesn't want to run the app, we both pay the same entry fee. As I think what he was at, what uh, Zach was asking, yes. it was that there's no. Uh... Now, like you said, of course you don't. Uh... You don't pay any money to get a mission card. Right. So no, you don't pay any difference. Cool. But um, guess what? You don't know what the score is. You don't know what's controlling anything. You are playing paintball. You right, are there playing the like, paintball game. To, to put some people, uh, to put the professional producers business out there, because that's what I tend to do a lot on other podcasts. Um, when you have a pro- professional producer coming to your field in U.S. dollars, he's going to be charging that field at least twenty five dollars a case, and at least fifty percent of the registration uh, off the bat, and. Generally, it's like 25, 25, not sure what that is in Canadian, but it adds up pretty darn fast and everything is cheaper than that. <laughs> right. And when the field can just click in their own game in 15 minutes, then it's going to be way cheaper for you in the aggregate. Absolutely. So here's how you think about it. If you show up for a big game or you show up for a regular scenario, you pay $50 entry and then your paint or whatever. And then you show up and a commander, he tells you what to do. Perfect. If you're lucky you get handed a mission card or you get told here's the mission. However, all of that information is provided at a specific time to one person who then hands it out to everybody. We do the same exact thing, except it's done digitally. So that's it. That's, that's the baseline. The baseline is we do the exact same thing. It's just done digitally. And because it's done digitally, there's no need for the refs to deal with a lot of the, mission parameters around things did they get there in time how long were they there what did they do while they were there was there other people there from the other side all those different triggers we can do tech demos at a price point that's better than the market because we have the lowest cost per playing hour i think if you look at the comparison chart Mm -hmm. that and it's going to even be more intense now post-covid because prices have gone up with some people um so our cost per hour kills it and the fact that they need so much of the revenue uh, from the field raises the prices on everybody. And then they do stuff like they're going to hire the professional photographer and they're going to roll that into the price for everybody. So there's going to be a lot of stuff added to your ticket. And when we do a tech demo, that's never, it's just added to the ticket. Correct. Right Right. now, right now what they are is beta sessions. So we are paid by the ref or by the field, but we work for Sherwood. What I mean by that, what we're demonstrating to Sherwood is you hire somebody, they can do what we do, and Alan can stay home. That was what we just did. Basically, I was there in case it went to shit, but Alan ran the entire game from Houston, Texas at Sherwood Forest. The commanders could talk to Alan whenever they needed to. The refs could talk to Alan whenever they needed to. Utilizing the cameras, they could show yeah. things. Hey, what's up with this prop? What's up with this? And I they mean- had more access to the game director than you do now. I didn't get to do my background, but I started paintball in 96. I was fortunate enough to my first field was the birthplace of scenario paintball for Texas, which grew out to the rest of the United States through MXS sports. Nice. Uh, the owner of uh, that field became the owner of MXS sports. Viper was the house producer. So by the time I was 18 or 19, I was already been recruited into the Viper production offices and was an, a staff writer. And I was there five, six years. I did probably 50, 60 games. I was doing, at one point, I think 10 scenarios a year between different producers, uh, playing in them and writing on them. So automating that and making the fun games, 
from the perspective of what I saw fail, like generals are, are often are failure points because you can't get the content because it's either they're going to give it to people they trust. Like if I'm a veteran game, I don't need a commander appointed to recruit me. I just need to show up and I need access to what you want me to do directly. So I set out to solve that. Right. And the faster you give that to me, the better I can perform. That That's well, what we learned is that the commanders who can, and it doesn't have to be the best teams, the commanders who can communicate to groups of individuals to get them what they want. And once you figure out what they want and feed it to them, they're going to give you that. And, what we've and, done with the software is decentralize that to where whoever wants that can get it. If you don't want that, then what you do at a scenario game now will still work. Hmm? If you wanted to run with a mission card, the difference is your mission card is digital, hmm. but you're still only limited the amount of information you want from that app. Right. Yeah, no, it sounds it sounds one great. Thing, it sounds one thing I'm super excited for doing uh, this year is we're going to introduce looking for groups which is if you just showed up at this game for the first time and you busted out your app, you don't have any friends there, you hit looking for group, and then there's going to be the organized teams that know to come get you and bring you on board and come play with them. Correct. And what we've done also is because of the early adopters, we've generated a group of players that are mentors that are actually recruited to play for the side to introduce more people. So now the, the guys who've been playing the game more can teach the newer guys quicker and how to fast pick her up on the uptake and that's what we've noticed and that's why it's gotten more and more and more we've seen more and more phone usage we swatch from a a push technology which is we were trying to make everybody be on the phone which is what a ridge people originally saw and i guess some people got bad taste in their mouth for to okay well we'll do a pull technology we'll just duplicate what you already know we'll digitize it and what will happen is is you're going to want to expand the amount of information you can take. This allows that to scale. Gotcha. So you want to log into the game and you just want to know what the score is. You can do that at the, we, I generaled one of the 24 hour games just to one. see oh, if the software too. would work. The and, album software was so rough, but, but it, it still, it still performed exactly what we wanted and did what it was. And what it was is as a scenario commander, it is the very first game that I did not command what i mean by that is is the the field commanders underneath me was able to get the missions faster than i could give them to them by the time i knew about the mission they had already done them or they were already one of the big things if you use any software to produce your game as long as you watch your gps you can reduce your staffing needs it doesn't matter who's you use it doesn't have to be ours if you just have a game director that's smart and can use it well and sits there and watches the gps People get a lot of missions done at two, three, four o'clock in the morning uh, through the radio. And you know they're there because you can see their dot and see that they're live and connected. Um, and you need you have to have some kind of tracking software. It doesn't matter which one you use. And there's a lot of yeah, free but, ones. There's subscription right. ones. Right. Um, but part of some of the things we demonstrated that game was that. capturing mission or running missions without a ref. So you have a recon and report. Well, the software sees that you're there. You're reporting it. We had a Facebook photo recon mission taken where the guy took a picture and sent it through Facebook messenger. So we tell people, even now, even if they're not Ronin, people should be looking at technology. Please use software in your games. Right. As tool sets to to do things with. Because it's going to get you, it's going to get you labor savings. Ours is the most extreme labor savings, but there's lots of labor savings to be had before you make it as far as us. And those savings can get passed on, and that's going to be this kind of stuff that can get more people at your events is just getting the cost lower for everybody. Right. right. People want to pull trigger. They identify as shooting paint. Got to get that stuff cheaper. Or enhancing the experience enough that you can actually justify charging more, which is what field owners want. Let's just be honest. Field owners are not greedy. 90% 90% of field owners work very hard and their margins are crap. That's yes. why there's not many fields. So, so they're shrinking. They're shrinking because paintball is being sportified in general. And it's also uh, why they're reaching out to where they only do airsoft or they're doing airsoft only days or they split the fields. In this instance, days. the do, um, in this uh, instance, you could split your field in half in combat. and you could have airsoft on one half and paintball on the other half and they could play the game together without ever sharing the field at texas paintball they did um a full two-day scenario side by side with rec ball and they never crossed over with each other right that would have been that, hilarious that played really well 
It was great. Just like if they actually had crossed over, but that's un- that's really <laughs> impressive that they managed to hold like, like you said, being able to, to I, hold these two games. Well, that's also them. part of what RTT is. We actually yeah. rolled in rec players at RTT, so there were a couple of team or a couple of guys that showed up and didn't realize it was a scenario game. They were able to jump in and play, and they had never played an RTT game, a scenario game. They'd never done anything. They were there. They paid their twenty dollars greens fee and were on the field playing a day game just like anybody else and i mean what we did learn is if if there's a a birthday group you you still want the ref to go with them yeah basically what you do is you just tell the ref okay go out and play and that you don't go more than 100 feet from me and when you get shot out you come back to me see my my you do that they can still play in the game while everybody's capturing and running around and all of that and just in their own little bubbles right what what we learned is you don't (laughs) leave them unchaperoned Make right. sure you, you have your referees heard the ducks. But when you have only four referees needed for the game, if you have a staff pool of 12, now you can sell eight birthday parties chaperoned into the event. Correct. So you can really maximize your games. Correct. Okay. So now you can roll your birthday parties into your event because a lot of times fields can't close can't the do field both on the same day. to do an event. And where they come into it's like, okay, I have 100 people at my field every Saturday. I have 80 people at my field on Sunday. They pay X amount of dollars to do that. I shut down my field and I have 70 people at my field for the yeah. entire weekend for a magfed game where they, they shoot off like 150, a bag of 150 first strikes a person. Right. You have to charge up, but you have to do entry up at like now and those games. Right. Okay. Awesome. Fellas, this has been insanely informative, um, <laughs> but uh, I think we're going to kill it there. We're about, okay. we've got about 10 minutes left, so I've got to pay the bills before I end the show. And right on, uh, <laughs> anytime. Um, I'm always available. If you have any crazy questions, absolutely. absolutely. Me me. So before we go though, before you guys go, uh, do you want to like shout out where can people find more information? Like, you know, do the whole promo thing. Uh, I'll do the promo thing. Uh, <laughs> follow us, uh, Ronan connect on Facebook. We've got a lot coming up. I will be on the mutant three, one, three podcast on Friday night. We are doing, um, I will be explaining how professional events that pull 80 to a hundred thousand people over a weekend use social media for advertising how they spend their dollars in the exact way you can do it for paintball and your fields and your events. Um, we'll be at Sherwood in March at the end of April. I'm sorry, at the end of April, April for the Pirate Game. April 24th. Lawrence, do the games because I can't do the dates. April 24th and 25th is the Pirate Game. October 8th through the 10th is the RTT National Championship. Shout okay, out in the... Canada to Millionth Monkey. We are going to do two games. We're powering two games with Josh Nutt this year at Millionth Monkey. Uh, one is Airsoft, one is Paintball. The airsoft one, I believe, is a fallout theme. The paintball one is a redemption theme, which is an old West. They're all in one connected narrative universe. So if you love the storyline games, he's definitely your man up there. There we go. Awesome. All right, fellas, man, it's been a blast. Thank you for coming on. Uh, Lawrence, thanks for coming on. And Alan, thanks for coming to our rescue when Lawrence went green. I I wanted to be green. I wanted to be all hulked out all episode. (laughs) Right. And so, but it was actually really great. It was really great having both of you on. Of course. Uh, and there's and there's two more. I mean, I want to make sure that people understand. Right, We've yeah. got two other owners in the company. Bobby Goglin, uh, he is one of the most. He was a, he was a, a discipline lord with Cliff. Right, uh, right. But he was also a, a, an old school player from Wayne. Played with Viper and and MXS and all of that. Then was the MXS Ultimate Ref and traveled the country as one of the best Ultimate Refs. Then he started producing his own game. So Bobby comes in and runs our safety, runs our refs. He deals with the refs, um, and then Bobby's going to start running the games that we produce under the Ronin flagship. And then we've got Matt um, Walton, uh, Guru, who mm-hmm. has come on and is handling our marketing, and he's doing web developments because there, there's, a, there's another side. This app is eventually going to tie into a web portal where it tracks all of your stats. And we're more of a platform like Steam than an app. Right, and that's what we're trying to build that into. We're trying to build – the experience into it's a video game you win by playing right. X. Twenty twenty two airsoft, paintball, whatever. Twenty twenty two scenario engine drops. If our platform is Steam, that is our Unreal Engine for anybody to make whatever they want, and you're gonna love it. Love it. Perfect. All right, fellas, thank you so much for coming on. Yes, sir. And uh, yeah, we'll. Uh, I'm gonna I'll, if I have, I probably will have questions in the near future. And if I manage to make it to a game where you you know you guys are running it or the engine is on there, anyways. Uh, I'll definitely be reaching out. Right well, on. there is two of them in Canada. Awesome. Just get with Josh Nutt. Yeah. Good night. 
Cheers. Yeah. All right. Cheers, fellas. Woo. All right. That was uh, Lawrence Wright and uh, Alan Martin from, uh, oh, my God, RKE, RKE Ronin Kinetic Esports, uh, talking about their app. Uh, now, before we go, I do want to, um, you know, obviously pay the bills here. So, real quick, let's talk about PB Swag Bag. Fantastic company. They actually sent me this hat, which was in a PB swag bag. It was super cool. If you want to get cool paintball gear shipped to your house once a month, head on over to pbswagbag.com. Use the code MPP10. Scare yourself 10% off the first bag. If you don't like it, you can cancel. No problems. But if you do like getting paintball gear shipped to your house once a month, then absolutely keep it rolling. Artful Dodger Beard Oil, big supporter of us. Uh, he helps keep my beard lush and soft and smelling delicious. I think this is dapper that's in my beard right now, and it's fantastic. He does beard bombs, beard oils, beard soap. He does tattoo bombs. Go check him out, artfuldodgerbeardoil.com. He's a small operation, so I'm sure he would appreciate any and all business you could send him. Defcon Paintball Gear, great sponsors. Uh, they also do a loot thing called a supply drop, which you can get once a month uh, where you'll get really cool stuff like uh, the only thing I have within my reach right now is this Exalt uh, Grease that came in. But you also get some cool HK Army stuff, like a belt. That was actually really cool. I got the HK Army belt uh, last or this month, which was really dope. And you can score 10% off of that, plus a ton of other stuff on the website using the code Maritimes. So just jump on to DEFCONPaintballgear.com, grab a shopping cart full of stuff, toss the code in Maritimes. If it works, it works. Sometimes it doesn't because some of the items aren't allowed to have discounts. Anyways, moving on. Tier 1 Armament, these guys are your tactical or tactical specialists. They've got soft goods, hard goods. They sometimes have coffee, uh, and they are the MCS distributors for Canada. So if you need MCS gear, they're the boys to go talk to. Tier1ArmamentStore.com. Go check them out. they got all sorts of really cool stuff. And, of course, certainly, uh, last but not least, the Patreon supporters, Matt S, Matt O, Tim B, Scotian, Dr. Rush, Jeffrey, Ryan, Alex, Tony, the real MVPs. These people are actually financially supporting the podcast through donations, through Patreon. So if you're in the uh, position to become a Patreon supporter, you can head on over to patreon.com forward slash Maritime Paintball Podcast and become a patron of the podcast. If you are not in a position to, by all means, likes, shares, and comments are always welcome. And they do actually really help the show, believe it or not. Some people don't believe it, but it really does. Just sharing this podcast today, you've helped me. Trust me, you have. So that's it. I'm out of here. Next week, folks, it's going to be great. I've got uh, a fantastic individual. My God, I've forgotten her name. Uh, I should learn it before next week. She is a nutritionist, and uh, she has worked with Sports Canada. So she's coming on next week to talk about how and what to eat before, during, and after paintball so that you're not being that guy passing out in the middle of the field. So she's probably going to teach us that a Tim Hortons coffee and a cigarette is not a breakfast and Red Bull is not a lunch. But we'll find out for sure. So that's it. I'm out of here. Thank you so much for hanging out with me. Anyone who stuck around in the comments and shared and liked and all that jazz, I truly appreciated it. Uh, so thank you so much. But that's it. I'm out of here. Until next week. Cheers. <laughs>